0: Hi uh, everyone, my name's Susie Moore, I'm one of the Regional Development Officers uh, for the RYA. Um, I'm here today to take a look at how we might be able to plan to open up our club buildings when it is appropriate to do so uh, within government guidance. Uh, so we're really looking to the future um, with the session this week. I'm here with two representatives um, from Draycott Sailing Club. Uh, we have Will Wicketer, who is one of the directors of the club, who also sits on the club committee as a rear commodore sailing. Within his professional life, he also has a background um, with risk assessments and health and safety, um, and has done quite a lot of work with the RYA um, on some of our events down in Weymouth. Dave Rowe um, is also with us from the club, um, and he is the club manager. So Will, I'm just wondering, could you give us a quick overview of the nature of the setup um, at Draycott Sailing Club. So we've got a bit of context um, around some of the, the discussions later on.
1: Draycott Water Sailing Club is a uh, inland reservoir based in the Midlands and is part of the Great Lakes. It has uh, a large membership base where we have large partici- member participation um, in club racing and youth and juniors. We also have a commercial element to the club where we uh, run a training centre for RYA training courses, uh, both Powerboat and uh, level one to four. We also have uh, a well established uh, squad and coaching element where uh, squads such as Optimists, Toppers, and such like um, come along and uh, enjoy the venue and participate in uh, using the uh, water and the training rooms that we've got.
0: Thanks for that. So um, Draycott is. Um Safe to say we can describe it as a large club um, with quite a professional aspect to its setup, um, and you're quite fortunate to have both volunteer and a, a staff workforce. Um, I just want to pause on that for a moment um, and highlight that we really believe there's a lot of really good lessons uh, within what Draycott has been up to recently. Um, and that we hope that volunteer clubs that are you know run by the members for the members um, can take away those. Um, learnings and these examples of um, measures that can be put in place when it comes to opening up buildings and um, but we may need to just adapt them slightly to fit into your own setup so um, looking at tweaking some of the examples and um, because they are applicable to all clubs and um, it's just the management may need to be done in a slightly different way. So Will the decision-making process that Draycott um, has gone through and is still going through is really interesting. Um, Can you um, explain a little bit more about that for me please?
1: So as part of the uh, decision making process for Draycott Water, um, once we had a situation where the club had to uh, close down and the site, Seven Trent closed the site and access to the site to the public and uh, access to uh, Draycott Water Sailing Club. Um, we set up what we call um, a COVID committee, which is a small part of the committee, which consists of Dave, our club manager, myself as uh, as rear commodore sale, uh, our commodore, Jeremy Atkins, and our treasurer, Roger Webb. And we set up a small team so we could be flexible and uh, able to respond to what at the beginning was very quick and almost seemingly daily updates that we had to respond to, either closing down elements of the club or such like. Um, That committee uh, meets on a regular basis. Initially it was daily, it's now more uh, two or three times a week. But what became apparent when we got down to the situation of what we call phase zero, which is fully closed, was that once the government was talking about how we come out of the lockdown, we thought we needed to also think, how would we open the club? Um, And this made us look at what RYA guidance was out and about, uh, what was on the website and speaking to Gareth Brooks. And we decided that the best way to actually do this, and it would aid communication with our members, is to pull together a roadmap of what each phase of reopening would look like. Um, That roadmap uh, consists of uh, effectively six phases, phase zero being full lockdown and able to access site in any shape or form, apart from uh, basic uh, staff undertaking maintenance, right through to stage five, which is... Uh, fully open and back to what we would consider to have been the old normal and then between that we have a roadmap uh, that sets out each stage that we would hope would open in that order um, as we go
0: opening up of your club buildings is a a little bit further down the road map than you are currently in in this phased approach that you've just uh, described. Um, But I'd like to sort of jump to that future situation and I'm just wondering uh, what areas of the government advice um, you're considering um, or are currently um, sort of considering in this area of opening up your club buildings Um, and how is this um, coming into your risk assessment process?
1: So as part of the uh, roadmap, we then developed a risk assessment for each phase that we anticipate. Um, And we can only um, sort of develop those risk assessments with the latest information that we get from the government, but also from uh, our uh, our landlord, Seven Trent. So looking at the roadmap, we're looking at how we can at some point open up the club's buildings to members. Certainly as part of phase one, uh, we're allowing the opening up of the toilets and toilets only. Um, And this is based on the fact that when we initially went down to lockdown at the beginning of the uh, crisis, we shut the uh, clubhouse completely. And this left us with uh, pushing members into the Seven Trent Visitor Centre for toilets. This created extra risk for our members. Uh, and therefore we've taken the decision that um, we should maintain the toilets, but toilets only. Um, within the clubhouse at Draycott Water, we are blessed uh, most of the time. It's not a blessing, it's actually a, a problem, um, but we have five entry points and um, those allow uh, that usually allows us a bit of a problem with security and uh, making sure we've got coded doors in place. Uh, but in this situation, it allows us to plan very well having a good flow of people and minimising our um, pinch points. Um, So for phase three, uh, when we're opening up, we will look to how we can uh, create those flows and minimise the pinch points around the building to maximise its use during any um, social distancing. One of the strategies that we're implementing, particularly at the start, at phase one with the toilets, is a basic one-way system. This allows us to go in one door, go to the toilets, come out the toilet and go out of another door. A straightforward one-way system that also minimizes touch points. These are uh, points where members may touch a door handle, may touch a banister, may touch a tap, may touch a door lock on a a toilet, a cubicle. Um, These are key areas where you could potentially have the spread of the virus. So we're having to make sure that uh, these are minimized. That's both by uh, ensuring we have uh, signage um, uh, to remind people not to touch banisters, um, having uh, doorways left open if they're not fire doors or not critical to the fire strategy, uh, leaving doors open. So, they can be easily passed through without touching them. And also, limiting the number of cubicles that are open and wash basins that are open. Uh, Remembering that you only can have, depending on the size of the toilets, uh, one, two, three people in there to maintain social distancing. Therefore, you don't need every toilet. This also reduces the amount of cleaning that's needed to be done by our staff. So, particularly around touch points, if we're doing cleaning of those points every hour, which is our intention, um, that's touching uh, making sure door handles and taps and such like are cleaned and uh, thoroughly then these are minimised to minimise time so therefore allowing for an increase in a, in, a, in a frequency of that being conducted.
0: Now I know that the the use of changing rooms and, and toilets is high on uh... Club's list at the moment of how that is going to be managed. Um, I'm just wondering um, have you got any additional examples um, or any of the same measures uh, being used in the change room toilet area of your buildings?
1: With regards to opening up our changing rooms, um, we're uh, lucky in some ways, um, unlucky in others, that whilst we've been looking at it, we can maintain a one way system through some changing rooms, particularly uh, the larger uh, male changing rooms, um, but we're gonna have to look at how we can maintain social distancing or produce a one-way system through the, f- uh, the female changing rooms. Um, we've given this some thought, and of course, this very much hinges on um, whether we can use showers at the same time uh, when we open changing rooms or whether changing rooms are just a, uh, a flowing process to take off your wet gear and change for your car and go. Um, uh, It's a very difficult area, we'll wait for uh, clear guidance on what we can open up and what we can't open up, Um, but our intention is very much around a one-way system um, and clear social distancing um, within the changing rooms, therefore limiting the numbers. And how we manage that limiting numbers is, is 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 being given some consideration by Dave, particularly around um, ticketing, or maybe fobs or armbands that are uh, hanging up uh, on the exterior of the, uh, the cha- uh, exterior of the building, particularly around. Um, Uh, the outside so you can see how many people are in the changing rooms uh, whether there's space for you to enter those changing rooms Uh, if there's a a band or a token available uh, then you can go in there is space if there isn't then you have to wait until someone coming out returns a band and so there's there's different ways that we can try and uh, stop that um, uh, pinch points where someone's naturally walking into the changing rooms looking for space that isn't there
0: So um, I'm just wondering uh, what requirements either from the government's guidance and and future guidance um, and your own considerations are you looking out for um, when you're looking to move from phase two of your plan to phase three of your roadmap um, where the opening up of your club facilities um, comes in? Uh, Dave it might be a question for you as a club manager there.
2: On the roadmap for Draycott you can see that phase three shows us opening up most of our facilities at Draco albeit with some of the facilities offering a slightly reduced service. We've tied this in with an increase in the activities members can carry out and also the start of our commercial RWA courses. To do this, this allows the additional income to cover the cost of bringing staff off furlough and the reintroduction of contract cleaners while letting us provide a good service to our members and also a service that we think our customers would expect when coming to visit the club.
0: So Dave, it would be great to understand some of the um, practical me- measures um, that you're considering putting into place um, when it comes to the reopening of your building um, in relation to um, that government advice that we highlighted earlier, such as the flow of people around your um club buildings, uh, touch points and hygiene um, and social distancing. Um, So could we have a quick look around, um, or at, sorry, um, your club building and how you're going to be managing the flow of people in and out of your building?
2: As we reopen the club, what we have looked at is how people are going to move through the club. We've looked at introducing one-way systems to reduce the crossover of people we've also looked at reducing the high touch points so we've looked at pinning open doors so people don't need to use keypads we've walked through the process ourselves looking at what we touch and highlighting areas that will be touched so that we know that they need to go on our briefing for our cleaning now i'm aware
0: that draco has an office area for its staff and and so um, and many other clubs also you know, have offices. So I'm just wondering whether there's anything um, additional that you're putting in place that we haven't already discussed uh, for that office area of the club.
2: All areas of the club are gonna have restrictions on how many people can be inside any one area at a time. So if we look at our waterside reception, we'll be looking at no more than one person and one member of staff inside the building at all. Toilets have two people at maximum at any one time in the toilet area. And our office, we're looking at only one person at a time being in the office.
0: So Will, I'd like to come back to you with this question. Um, Dave has mentioned cleaning there time and time again, um, and you mentioned the importance of the management of touch points and the hygiene around these. Um, And so I'm just wondering how your club is looking to manage this moving forward. So
1: the conducting of cleaning um, is twofold, um, really, from our point of view at Draycott Water. We have uh, contracted cleaning staff who come in three times a week in in normal circumstances, Um, but we're gonna have to look at uh, more frequent cleaning of uh, touch points um, in addition to that normal cleaning. Um, But we're also gonna have to look at the, um, the training of the staff to do that more frequent tra- uh, cleaning. Uh, normally, the contracted cleaning staff, that comes along with the staff being trained and knowledge of what products they're using, the right PPE that they're being given to do the job, uh, and the training of that. Um, for our staff, we're going to have to do all that um, ourselves, Um, We're looking at how we can make sure that we uh, describe to the staff exactly what needs to happen when they're doing the cleaning. How they do it, where they do it specifically, and how often they do it. So it's not just a matter of go into the toilets and do some cleaning or uh, go to the training room and, and clean it. It's what specifically needs cleaning on a more regular basis. It's those touch points. It's those areas where someone could have come into contact whether that's touching of uh, seats, uh, banisters, taps, door handles, whatever it may be for that cleaning. And then it's particularly important to provide staff with the right equipment um, and the right PPE so they, um, so they don't uh, get things like dermatitis from cleaning products uh, and, and in contact with those cleaning products on a regular basis. So gloves and, uh, and such like are very important in those. So um, these processes not only uh, need thinking through and the training provided and the PPE provided, but there's also a compliance issue. You need to make sure that the risk assessment is done and documented um, to back up that requirement.
0: Um, so as we spoke about at the beginning of this video, um, the use of staff and contractors may not be something that all clubs can um, facilitate. So Will, I'm just wondering, do you have any examples from Draycott where um, the cleaning has been done in a different way, uh, maybe with an emphasis on members supporting this process?
1: So. Um... Whilst uh, members of of our workforce and team um, can come back and and, and help with the regular cleaning of touch points and and, and areas where um, members are uh, uh, in contact or um, likely to contract uh, COVID-19, we also um, have areas where we can't control on a regular basis um, touch points and we're asking our uh, members to help support that process. Um, A good example of this is our picnic tables and our uh, club boats. Um, We're going to uh, make sure that through signage that members are aware that picnic tables aren't cleaned on a regular basis. And if they wish to use them uh, for a picnic as a household, uh, that have come down to just use the water, then we would uh, expect them to request cleaning uh, equipment um, and clean those tables themselves, both before and after use, so it's ready for those next people who or that next household that wishes to uh, use it. So, um, and, and that's being made uh, quite clear in the uh, in signage. The other example is uh, our, our club boats again. Um, It's about cleaning them afterwards. We've got a cleaning station for members to use to bring the boat after they've used it and they can wash it down um, make sure that all the the points are best cleaned uh, and then uh, before being put away.
0: So that's really similar to uh, the cleaning stations that you see in supermarkets Um, and actually that's a really poignant point. You know, we are out and about and we are trying to manage COVID um, within this country um, as a nation. And so we can be looking at our day-to-day lives and seeing how else others are managing the situation. Um, So um, just going back to supermarkets there, uh, the two metre lines uh, for queues, if you find that's something that you need within your club, maybe going up to a kitchen service or, you know, the entranceway. Finally we'll um I think this is probably a question for you. Um, How are your membership and staff going to be aware of the additional controls um, that you're implementing?
1: So for us as a a committee, communication is key. One of the things we don't wish to happen when we reopen to our members is that our staff are swamped with constant questions with members coming to them face-to-face and requesting uh, information about how they do things and why they do them or trying to do things that we don't wish them to do. So part of this has been a really detailed uh, uh, communication process throughout. We've kept them informed about when and how we're reopening, when we're when Seven Trent uh, allow us to reopen, uh, which we're hoping in the near future. And our intention is to publish the uh, roadmap that we've developed, and also the risk assessment that sets out what we expect controls to be uh, in and around the club. Now. These documents are not small. Um, they're there also for our work staff and to make sure they're protected and we thought through everything. So we understand that they're quite laborious and we, we don't expect everybody to read them. So um, Dave's initiative was to create a one-page poster uh, which we can place on the website with the other documents if people want to read the detail, that highlights the, the, the do's and don'ts and um, what's clearly open and what isn't available at each stage of the site reopening. And this uh, this allows for clear communication in one place. Um, we're also going to undertake, when we have an open date from 7-Trent, um, we will also have a um, questions and answers Um, situation um, uh, through Zoom. So the COVID um, committee, as we call it, that'll be the Commodore, the Treasurer, Dave, our club manager and myself, will uh, have a Zoom session where members can come on, ask any questions about our risk assessments or our uh, roadmap and how that's developing moving forward. That allows them to talk to us openly and honestly about what we're doing, and also allows them to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So we're trying we're trying all channels, that's social media, club website, but also question and answer sessions.
0: There's been a huge amount of information so far in this session, so I think I'm gonna leave it there. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Will and David. Um, your um, insight has been really valuable. Um, I'd just like to finish off the session by highlighting that next week's club development forums that are being delivered on a regional basis by the regional development officers and um, is really focusing in on this uh, area of the future opening of uh, your club buildings and the considerations that um, you will need to put in place and um, so please do um, head to your regional web pages uh, where you'll be able to book onto those sessions um, and join your regional development officer for a um, more in, in detailed conversation with other clubs on this subject.